He's like a cephalopod, I guess. What's the one that doesn't have a spine? I think that's right. I don't think cephalopods yeah. have spines. He's like a cephalopod that is needy. He's like a needy invertebrate that has no spine, but, but has the desires of something with a spine. What the fuck's going on down there? Sock puppets. I don't know why that word was on my mind today, but I felt really happy uh, to have an excuse to put it into our topic list. It's a fun, fun word to say. Sock puppet. Uh, Seth, welcome to WTF TFW. Hey, what's going on? Sock puppets. What's going on? Later on, we'll be talking about a, a big, a big dead sock puppet. But before we get to that, Seth, there was a, tra- a trailer for a film that came out, and uh, and I mean we you know we we talked about it a bunch because we ended up recording last episode right after it came out. But I wanted to talk to you about it because it's pertinent fandom information. It's the Bumblebee movie trailer that showed a whole lot of robots and uh, looks to me fairly uh, exciting. I actually want to watch this movie, and I'm curious uh, what your take is on it because you, you know, with the rest of us, you've been here for. 10 years of uh, trailer reactions going from excitement to to making up reasons to be excited to sighing uh, <laughs> to, to laughing because uh, that looks pretty funny. Um, so how did you feel taking a look at this new Bumblebee trailer? Uh, I think the thing I said on Twitter right away was I have I'm tentatively optimistic about the Bumblebee movie. Um, uh, it looks promising. Uh, I really like, uh, some of the character design going on, like actually looking like things and being recognizable at a glance. Uh, like mm-hmm. when we see sound wave and ravage pops out, like the very first thought that popped into my head was that sound wave and ravage. And nobody had to explain to me that it was Soundraven Ravage. I just recognized him. Amazing. I I had to have it explained because I was like, why, why isn't he a, a satellite? Uh, why where, why does Ravage have two eyes? This isn't canon. <laughs> um, then what we've seen of, I, I don't know her name, but the girl. Um, yeah, uh, the, the character name, Charlie. Actor name, I actually don't recall off the top of my head because usually when i remember an actor name in a transformers movie it's it's because of a lack of interest in a lot of the other information going on uh in this case i'm so into the movie i just know her as charlie the character so in the shot where bumblebee is brushing the sand off of charlie um on my second viewing i realized wow there's more emotion going on in her face like there's more acting going on in her face than the entirety of Megan Fox's career. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I never saw Jennifer's body, and I heard it was pretty good, but uh, I, I don't disagree. Haley Steinfeld is the actor. Well, it seems like they might have actually hired someone that can act for these movies. <laughs> I, I dare say it's even more so they have a director who wants to direct actors uh, in this movie. Um which is which is also really helpful. And a director who doesn't seem to... Actually, I can confirm now. A director who seems real into robots. Uh, the Bumblebee press kit went out 
Uh, and a bunch of sources have shared uh, the letter from Travis Knight that it comes with where he basically – it's just a letter of him waxing nostalgic about playing with toys and hoping that he ca- he captures some of that wonder and imagination uh, in, in the film and in the toys in this very box. Uh, and, you know, that's – you know, it's very rote kind of um, – kind of sentiment but it's also fairly fresh for a transformers movie director to to have any kind of whimsy in 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 their words so uh i'm i'm feeling good about this dude directing uh i i like i've said before i haven't actually seen anything else he's directed and i want to wait till after i see bumblebee before i i hit up that kubo in the two strings but it's a, it's a positive feeling seth it's it's i said this before it's so fresh uh in fact, it's just fresh having a different director after 10 years. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, anything else in the trailer that kind of stuck out to you? Or are you, are you just generally feeling like, yeah, this is kind of working? Yeah, it's just in general, I have a positive feeling, which I haven't had since the first movie, like before anybody knew better. Like, um the this will be the first one since the first one that I'm going to go to not expecting it to be bad i think it's it's such a weird discussion that we as an entire <laughs> fandom have been having like this whole like cuz i mean you know i've said it before i have enjoyed all the other movies and looked forward to seeing them but over time there was a gradient like i definitely think i was looking forward to revenge of the fallen um because at the time it felt like, all right, they learned lessons from that first go, and here we go. Uh, and I, I look forward to seeing all the other ones. It's just like in a different way, you know? Not not in the, I guess, more positive way that I'm looking forward to this one. Uh, and I think it'll be a treat um, for people who got into Transformers through the 07 film to, you know, <laughs> kind of like how a lot of people who, who grew up on G1 eventually saw better versions of that story told. It's like... You know, the, if if the Bay movies were your G1, then welcome to the experience of something better than your G1 coming out. And <laughs> it's it's a, it's a really fresh thing, actually. It's a it's a really good, I won't say fresh again. It's a really positive thing. Like, I remember it was back in, like, the aughts when I realized G1 is not actually incredibly good as a piece of storytelling. Oh, uh, the cartoon? Just, yeah. No, it's yeah, not. It's just a bunch of standalone episodes. I, yeah, and it's just like there's bits of it I really like, and then yeah. like you know, at the same time we had other fiction coming out, other other shows coming out. Uh, it's like an opening up moment for for any fan, I think. I mean, granted, O seven fans have had other cartoons going on at the same time. You know, it's a lot different than if you were growing up through the '90s into the aughts. But uh, yeah, I, it's it's exciting times, um, especially if the I I hope the movie's good because then I hope it does well because then that could open a, a brand new door on transformers uh as far as major media goes and that's exciting too um that said uh bumblebee movie trailer if you're listening to this now hopefully you've seen it it's it's pertinent i actually had to talk a couple people into watching it uh there were a couple folks on twitter who were just like i just can't i can't deal with with the disappointment of these movies anymore and i was like i get it but this is a finally a different situation maybe just go check it out as i'm clicking through the uh the screenshots ravage even has little rockets on his hind hips yeah no that's a those g1 models i i'm still convinced those were made more recently than the rest of the models in that trailer uh 
and I'm I'm pretty sure that they um they're fairly fresh and they're fairly unfettered with uh producer input. Yeah. Uh I, they they definitely still lack a lot of polish. Like they look I said this before, they look like a very nice video game cutscene. Uh and I, I think that is just indicative that they are they are newer assets. They are newer pieces of art that were made a lot more recently than a lot of the film. Yeah. Well like all the Earth mode bots have more of the bay stuff, more bay residue in them. Even where they're better, like Bumblebee is designed, there's still some some bay grime on those robot modes. And there there had to have been a redesign period because, like, I you know I just got Studio Series Volkswagen Bumblebee. And the art of him on the side of the box where it's his movie mode, you know, robot mode, you know, holding a boombox to his ear. That robot, which looks like it's based off of, uh, you know, a finished render like a lot of movie packaging does. That robot looks a lot different than the one in the film. Uh, it looks very much the same, but it also looks a lot different in some very specific ways. It's a lot leaner, a lot more athletic, and it has big old door wings. And so I'm utterly convinced that at some point during this film, they were able to, like, if you just look at the back of the current version of that Bumblebee in the film, they were able to fold all the door stuff into his back, basically, <laughs> yeah. and make him a little more plump. Um, which That's the only bummer about these Bumblebee movie toys, is they're all based on when the film was more definitely a prequel to the Bay films. Uh, so none of the Bumblebee toys look quite right. They all look actually quite good. They just don't look quite right. Makes you hope that they do, do some V2s. Uh, but Seth, anything else about the Bumblebee movie trailer you want to hit up? Um, not that I could really think of right now. I'll probably think of three things later, though. Well, let's cut in with them when you think of them. For an open form podcast today. Well, it'll probably week. be like as I'm trying to fall asleep. I'll go, oh, oh then yeah. You know, just record it, send it to me. I'll just I'll splice it in somewhere. <laughs> sleepy clip the helicopter and the jet were cars <laughs> yeah okay so apparently I completely missed trailer 2 and I've seen trailer 3 a multitude of times but I'm looking at the screenshots from trailer 2 and it's like I didn't see any of this stuff before Oh, yeah, two trailers came out around about the same time, and I think it was pretty easy to get utterly confused as to which one was which at, in the moment. Because uh, one of them, one with more robots, came out in China at low resolution. Then it came out high resolution, but with the Russian dub. Um, and I think it took a couple days for it to come out in English, and when it came out in English, it had all these caption words all over it. Like it was designed for Instagram or Facebook video streaming. Uh, but yeah, there there were two trailers that dropped that day. What are you seeing that's uh, that's unfamiliar? A uh, bumblebee crushing a can of tab. Oh yeah, that's from the end of uh, I think the the trailer quote. Yeah. I think what they called trailer two. Yeah, um, some bumblebee fighting Blitzwing, where he has like the uh, the Jeep grill on his chest. Yeah, Jeepblebee. I'm wondering if that's like uh, the beginning. So they showed some of the movie at San Diego Comic-Con, and it was basically described as, this is the opening of the movie, and it was that scene. Okay. Um, I that's guess how Bumblebee, right. Yeah. That's, that's how Bumblebee loses his memory, leading into the bulk of the film. 
Um, but yeah. Here's uh, Charlie's friend being detained by uh, some people in black uniforms who do not look convincing as people in I, black uniforms. <laughs> I forgot to ask you, how do you feel about the Transformers franchise debut of John Cena? Who? John um, Cena's in this? A, yeah. You, you the gotta, wrestler? You gotta, you gotta put on the right glasses. The professional wrestle man? Yeah, he's in there. He's hard to spot, but if you know what to look for. Well, it's not a Transformers movie unless you have somebody in there with questionable acting talents. Um. He he is pretty good in his handful of lines in the trailer where he just has to sound like a straight-laced military dude because guess what? That's literally John Cena's <laughs> yeah, voice. He's been pretending to be a military <laughs> dude for well over a decade now since the Marine yep. movie. He's if you're gonna been hire pretending someone, to be a military dude ever since. If you want to hire someone to pretend to be a military dude, John Cena has the resume and the skill set to adequately fill that role. Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, I'm just kind of cracking wise. Like, um, what? I haven't seen John Cena acting in many things because you can't see him. <laughs> Got him. Um, but like that. Uh, God, I can't remember the name of it. That amy schumer movie i don't remember the name of it but part. i saw the scene yeah like, i saw the scene yeah yeah like he he can do stuff i i don't think he's the next rock the Dwayne johnson but uh i think it could be probably he doesn't do have, i think that if he wasn't able to continually make money off of wwe he could feasibly become a Dwayne johnson I don't know if he would ever be as big. I don't think he'll be as big, but I think he would be in a comfortably making money off of action movies. If that makes any sense. He would probably land somewhere between Dwayne and David Bautista. Okay, I got it. so I gotta say this, and this is the unpopular thing. I think Dave Bautista is better at movies than Dwayne The Rock Johnson as far as actually, if you leave out the I'm a pro wrestler part, uh -huh. I think Bautista, comma David, is <laughs> a better actor and more willing to take on riskier roles. Yeah, I mean, I've really only seen him playing Drax. I haven't seen any of the other stuff he's been in. So I, I can't really comment on his acting. It's just he's... What I meant was like what level of act, of part? Yeah, what level of spectacle? Yeah, of of title card. Yeah, like um, I could see Cena being more of a lead than Batista will likely be, but not as big as The Rock. But maybe Batista ends up doing more interesting parts. I think that the thing about Dave Bautista that strikes me is he seems to be okay with having an interesting secondary role, and he does, I don't think he sees it as a, he doesn't come off as seeing it as a stepping stone. Uh -huh. Like he seems to take acting seriously, um, which is nice because you know if you went you know rolled me back to like oh six or whatever, that's the last thing I would have thought about Dave Bautista is this guy has any interest in genuine you know talented acting work. Yeah. Um, 
but he, he appears to me to to have the interest and it's really cool it's really cool to see like it's all to me it's it's one of the perfect examples if you cannot judge a book by its cover or its vince mcmahon video package sorry kevin dunn video package <laughs> yeah i don't know i see cena getting a lot of roles that uh can't afford rocky john my rocky Maivia. Rocky, uh, D- Rocky Dwayne, son of the, oh, what's his dad's name? You know, they, when they brought up his dad all the time when he was the blue yeah. chipper, Ro- Rocky Johnson, Rocky Johnson, yeah. Dwayne, the rock, Rocky Johnson, Johnson, my via, <laughs> my via, chief, chief, chief Peter. Uh, I forgot what we were talking about wrestling yes welcome back (laughs) to the wrestling podcast we're gonna do a listener question that's what we're gonna do this comes in from requiem prime says hello evangelist and whoever he is giving crap to today let's say seth let's say that let's just say it uh have you seen a character and thought of taking another toy and modding it into them after the last night happened i was fascinated by canopy Good, because Canopy was from the one of those movies they should have made that had a part of it used for that movie. Uh, quote, and had thoughts of making one out of Voyager Payload, uh, out of that Voyager Payload, what was Revenge of the Fallen Long Haul. I cooked up ideas of linking together some debris effect parts into a cloak of stuff he could ball up onto his truck bed, but ran into the wall of wanting a new head. Can it even come out? Uh, but was unable to find one for sale and lacked the skill to make one myself. Have you ever heard the call of the Radicon? Uh, did you ever succeed in the quest laid out before you? Click. Seth, is this a good time to check in on that uh, that white van you've been working on? Um, yeah, I haven't done that at all. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that that was gonna be like an original character. This sounds more like making a established character. I'm just taking this as like feeling the urge to customize a thing, basically. Uh, yeah, um, but I did have an idea. Um, I forget what the figure was. It, I think it was a first movie figure, maybe second. Um, and it was a character that wasn't in the movie. It was like one of those extra kind of figures that yeah. I thought could make an interesting bludgeon. And like I seem to, I think. I remember thinking the head was similar already and I was trying to figure out how to like make a skull face and I bought an extra one and like I took the head apart and and I was going to like cut out the old face and try to figure out how to fit like a skull behind in, in the face hole and uh then never finished. I'm not Stick a skull right in your face hole. I'm good at getting ideas and then not uh, implementing them fully. Me too. That's kind of, kind of the story of me and Transformers customizing. Um, I'm getting closer to actually wanting to do it because I see so much cool stuff and I'm feeling more confident uh, in just bolting things together. But I still actually haven't had the call of the Radicon fully happen. I've, I've had it happen close enough enough times you could probably add it up to one and a half calls of the Radicon. That's the name of our customizing sub forum on TFW, by the way. Uh... But yeah, I haven't I haven't actually done it yet. I'd like to. I just, and I don't I don't I want to go in without really a plan. I kind of want to just like take a couple figures and just bosh them together and then like paint them jet black with metallic teal and pink detailing and just like call it a day. Um but I, I haven't done it yet. Um 
I feel like the thing I'd want to try doing is get a couple figures who have ball socketed limbs and just try swapping all their limbs around and then just try transforming them and seeing what shape comes out and then kind of going from there. I did have a moment where I was I figured out a cool hover tank mode for uh, Power of the Primes uh, Hotspot Inferno. Um, you know, Combiner Wars Hotspot Power of the Primes Inferno. I just don't know what I would want the character to be, but I figured out this hover tank mode that was sick and totally worked. Uh, I just don't know who it would be. So I got to figure that out. Um, but yeah, uh, Call of the Radicon happens to a lot of people I know, and it's always impressive as heck. Uh, especially when uh, when you get to see some of the fruits of that labor get derived from either stuff you're into or stuff we've set on the podcast, like at TFCon when Malwave did up uh, the the three person team that me and uh, Aaron and TJ thought up um, with uh, with Softball and company. Uh, but yeah, right now all of my my crafting has been in going into uh, messing with Warhammer stuff. Uh, which I suspect me and Seth might actually talk about later on in this podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, I got some questions about that. That that I'm not going to start it now. I just want to say I get it now. That basket is horse honky, questionable <laughs> garbage. That is not a basket. That is a friggin' obstacle from a game show. That's <laughs> the handle is not only in the middle of the basket, it's not even tall enough to go all the way out of the basket. Um, (laughs) Isn't it? Or not the way I would consider a handle to be anyway. Like, it sticks up enough you can hold on to it. Yeah. To me, a handle is above the contents of the basket. I think think it is. uh, Not a lot, just a little, but at that angle of the picture I tweeted... Um, the perspective betrays it. It looked like you'd have to have your hand plunged into the contents of the basket to hold the handle. Yeah, no, that's that's not the case. <laughs> it's just the perspective okay. is it, it doesn't really tell the whole truth. I, I had guess. a moment when I saw that <laughs> that photo. I was just like, who even? Does, <laughs> what is the purpose of those baskets except to be hard to put stuff in? <laughs> yeah, where did they get them from? because <laughs> there's no way that they had them made for this sale they have every year unless they did i mean because well, i don't understand several who... times a year it's whenever there's five saturdays in a month i mean do you think it's enough that they would have actually commissioned these no, no. complicated baskets yeah because no, i don't i've never not. seen a basket like that in my life <laughs> i wonder if there isn't like some trade magazine and i thought we weren't going to get into it right now but uh, <laughs> I wouldn't be I surprised off, if there sorry. was some like retail trade magazine where uh, it's like, hey, this is something you could do in your store. Buy these crummy baskets and then give people a discount on whatever <laughs> they could try to fit in it. That's still a very comp. That's like a oh, what is it? The uh, something in shot those. Those videos on YouTube of the of the the company that comes up with these really the CG animations of these really lousy ideas like what if instead of a bus or a train you had like an air bus train that was fastened to a train by a tether like if you if you've seen it you know what I'm talking about um, before we go any deeper into that Seth we do have one more major piece of Transformers news to talk about uh. And that is actually something that's not on the topic list. I thought it was... This is the kind of thing that I'm glad gets a front... It's the thing at the top of the front page right now. I love news items like this because it is news. But it's like... It's such tiny news, but it is it is news. Uh, 
So, so far, if you were trying to collect every single toy from Transformers 5 The Last Night, that was very hard. Uh, not just because Deluxe Cogman and Deluxe Hot Rod were, you know, hard toys to find, depending where you are. Um, but The Last Night Legion Class Hot Rod never was found on a shelf. It was only ever available on Walmart's online store until today. Uh, it was found by Hot Convoy on the 2005 boards in Ross, at a Ross in Littleton, Colorado for $3, or sorry, $2.99 American. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and it has a giant Walmart exclusive sticker on it. Yep. Bet Ross is super jazzed about that. It exclusively went right into the pile of crap that Walmart sells to Ross. <laughs> Womp. Um, I would say maybe I'll go check my local Ross and see if it's here too, but I know that is a waste of time. <laughs> like, I'm have, I, uh... for years, several times a year, I see people posting like, I went to my local Ross and or Marshalls and or other similar kind of liquidation store and found this awesome ass thing. I have never seen anything but garbage at the Rosses and Marshalls and TJ Maxx's and the Tuesday mornings around here. You got to send a letter to Ross Marshall, the president of TJ Ross Marshall Max Mornings, and and complain and demand to, to have the CCTV footage to see who is taking all the good stuff. Yeah. Well, I I just assume they don't even get it. I think mm. the good stuff just ends up in other parts of the country. But what if it doesn't make it all the way to the to the best coast? What if it's been there, but there's one person who just keeps snatching it all up and then selling That's it back possible. to the Easterners? All of these stores has, like, the employee that, like, snatches stuff out of bins and then sells them on eBay for, like, more. That's possible. Could be happening. You should send a letter. Demand the footage. Seth, there is also news that was actually on the topic list. Uh, this is a follow-up to a story we talked about several times. The death of American Toys R Us. Oh, which is I thought dead. you were just going to say the death of America, and I was like, whoa, no politics uh, in the threat. <laughs> yeah, that's over on Twitter. Uh, so, <laughs> um, okay, how do you put this? The debtors have determined, in consultation with the consultation parties, to cancel the intellectual property auction and reorganize debtor Jeffrey as a new operating Toys R Us and Babies R Us branding company that maintains existing global license agreements and can invest in and create new domestic retail operating businesses under the Toys R Us and Babies R Us names, as well as expand its international presence and further develop its private brand's business. Uh, this is after everyone working at Toys R Us lost their well, every normal person working at Toys R Us lost their jobs. Um, in, in the UK, Australia, in the United States. After the Canadian version of Toys R Us became one of the few actual remaining ones, uh, after a venture company bled an entire company, a, a, acquired a company, piled their debt onto it to bleed it dry and then left its husk behind as it crumbled to dust. Um, so th now there's this story making the, ra the rounds of like, hey, hey, maybe Toys R Us will come back. Uh, and I, I mostly want to share this to say, don't 
feel good about this. This is a, a bunch of like this. They're trying to sell you something that doesn't exist. They are, as the topic list states, ramming a hand up a corpse to use it like a sock puppet to say, don't you remember all the good times at Toys R Us? Jeffrey is, uh, well, he's not dead. He lives in Canada. But one of Jeffrey's body doubles your beloved Jeffrey, his corpse, blood pouring out of his eyes as they're rolled back in his head. As this hand is puppeteering his mouth, flapping its dead jaws at you to say, don't you remember when you were a Toys R Us kid? As you know, some of his teeth fall out and just black ichor is just spraying out of his mouth at you. That's what's trying to, or hopefully, that's what's hoping to hook into your your misty-eyed nostalgia. Uh, I've already seen a post on on my social media of someone saying, Hey, smiley face, looks like Toys R Us might come back. In a real pleasant tone, feeling all hopeful. There is no hope with Toys R Us. It's dead. American Toys R Us is dead. Anything that they're going to present to you is a puppeteered corpse that will do nothing for all the people who lost their jobs, all the actual working people who lost their jobs. This is more billionaires playing billionaire games. It is not good news. Don't don't trust it, but that's just my opinion. Seth, how do you but feel about But they could this? get new jobs at the new Toys R Us as soon as Jeffrey pays off his debt. I don't... <laughs> the, this was the part that, like... So I was trying to read this out loud uh, just before we started recording, and you did a way better job. I was tripping up all over this crazy legal mumbo jumbo I got, I got used to saying debtor jeffrey yeah and that that was like what like did they actually like dump all this on the cartoon giraffe boy <laughs> like, like is that why they are pointedly showing that he lives in canada now <laughs> it's like debtor jeffrey or did they like create a shell company to be the the debt and named it jeffrey i don't know it's weird i don't get it all this is confusing the goofiest part of this front page story is that the the writer pointed out that it's unlikely that they'll be able to implement this plan in time for the 2018 holiday shopping season it's like really you can't solve all your debts and then open retail and <laughs> stock months. shelves yeah in a in a month and a half <laughs> and stock shelves with what precisely because quote toys r us has sold all of its stores and distribution centers with some of the most valuable retail space going to a separate group of secured creditors other stores were either taken over by landlords or the leases sold to other retailers people were, were recalling that you were already able, you were able to buy the fixtures and shelving out of toys r us is like what are they just these empty warehouses <laughs> opening up with like an empty jeffrey costume sitting in the middle that just like this weird black liquid is coming out of like uh this is all just like you know all the worst parts of capitalism summed up in 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 a weird ongoing story that should have ended that is just still not ending uh so, so there's your toys r us update <laughs> um <laughs> uh, don't expect toys r us to come back anytime soon don't don't expect it to come back, and I've had it presented to me, the notion that, hey, you should hope it comes back so everyone can get their jobs back. They're not going to personally reinvite everyone back to work there. Like, there's no there's no fairy tale version of this. this. The story of Toys R Us is the least fairy tale story of a bunch of rich people bleeding a company into a, a pile of dust and meat. Like, the, the shreddy, dry, outer skin flakes of meat. It's, it's, it's Toys R Us is dead. Everything you loved about Toys R Us 
was partly you being a kid and partly the staff and location of your Toys R Us. Those are good memories to hold on to. Don't pollute them with this false hope of somehow all of that coming back. It's not going to. Uh, and it, it somehow makes me really mad seeing this notion uh, being presented by whoever these, you know, debtors are uh, and consultation parties that, they, that maybe we can we can breathe life back into this thing because it's like there's only scummy reasons to do that now anyway uh there's your toys r us update uh version 2.0 it's not over prime except you know who said that it was friggin megatron and you know what happened to him he got himself deceased and turned into some other guy so kb toys is is galvatron there's the spoiler (laughs) for the end of the story well that would mean kb toys was coming back and whatever happened to that Remember that story? <laughs> no. Remember that the, story? The big, the big hook cane that is just coming in off stage left. website that was like, we bought that name. We'll have stores open any second now. Who's letting him talk off script? Get that guy off the stage. <laughs> Everyone forgot about it. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what happened to that at all. That friggin' the, the guy who was selling what, like, logo tees of dead department stores? Yes. Yeah. That's all that it was. It was a website with the names of all these department or clothing stores that don't exist anymore. Department stores are more like Macy's or Sears or something where they're yeah, they sell yeah. all kinds of crap. But all these clothing brands that don't exist anymore and then t shirts with the <laughs> logos on them. And it's I like, it's, hey, rem- I remember this? I don't, because I didn't recognize any of the names. <laughs> I don't remember what I said at the time, but my reaction to that now is just like, what? Like, again, you want to see just like the most crushingly cynical representation of capitalism and nostalgia mashed together into friggin' logo tees of dead clothing stores. Look to the guy who wants to resurrect kb toys as pop-up christmas shops that's what i remember about that story uh anyway i wanted to talk about that because i you know it made enough rounds in my social medias felt like it was worth touching on in this admittedly loudly negative way (laughs) uh seth that brings us to uh to the good stuff what we got this week seth did you in the scape of surviving retail outlets, did you did you find any Transformers this week? I did. I got two. I bought two Transformers. Two of them. Yeah! Hey, remember how, like, the last several times I talked about getting a Transformer was those, the little Pretender guys? Yeah! I got more little Pretender guys! Hey! I found Bludgeon and Bomber? Is that his name? Yes. The bat-faced guy? Bomb Burst. Bomb Burst. So I found those two. Guess what? There are more of that. Oh, I didn't... No, I said Bludgeon. I had gotten Bludgeon before. I meant Octopunch. Octopunch. I uh, I found Octopunch as well, uh, completing my set of those little pretender things. I found him at Toys R Us recently. Still, what? I actually haven't oh. opened him. Because I know what he does. Was, but Was at your Toys R Us is jeffrey out there with a little tin cup trying to collect money to pay his debtors so at fan expo the toronto comic and media convention that's like the third biggest one in north america now there is a straight up jeffrey wandering around the toys r us booth just (laughs) for for photo ops it's an official jeffrey Jeffrey. i took a photo with them with the daryl from transmissions i put it on twitter i was like don't worry we're taking good care of him 
because uh, he's he's just a nostalgia mascot thing now for all the Americans that come over to Fan Expo to go like, oh my god, it's Jeffrey! He lives in Canada! And then they take photos with him and then, you know, don't buy anything at Toys R Us and leave. <laughs> I was overwhelmed with the furiosity of your rant, but uh, uh, I was going to say uh, on the topic <laughs> of American Toys R Us's, um, the Santa Rosa Toys R Us, which was my primary Toys R Us for several years now, um get guess what that space is what is that space a spirit halloween store which oh. is what all the big empty buildings become <laughs> the maggots moved in <laughs> do you know where the spirit halloween store used to be in santa rosa uh where did it used to be across the street in the empty circuit city <laughs> Now the empty imagine, circuit city is just an empty circuit city. And do you know what's next to the empty circuit city? An empty uh, borders is next to the empty circuit city. Oh my god. <laughs> Friggin' just uh, the husks of retail. Imagine if there are, imagine if now in this husk of a Toys R Us that's being inhabited by a Halloween store. Imagine if there's like borders and circuit city bags in their stock of bags somewhere, just on the very bottom of the pile, you know, almost like layers of, of earth crust. Like they're collecting all this detritus and just dragging it around with them from dead store to dead <laughs> store. Yeah, it was, it's two big box store centers side by side. And one of them was circuit city borders Bed Bath and Beyond. And then right next to it, Toys R Us, Cost Plus. Um, and then then like a row of smaller spaces. And then a, and then in the front, closer to the street, a couple fast food places. Fast food places are still there. The little row of smaller businesses are still there. But of those five big box spaces. Only Bed Bath and Beyond and Cost Plus indoor. So I have two reactions. <laughs> Number one, it's always weirded me out that the place is called Bed Bath and Beyond because that just sounds so much more grand compared to what it actually is. <laughs> B, I in my mind's eye, like cinematically, I'm imagining that this little row of fast food places is just eventually it's becoming what whatever was what it called the wall from Game of Thrones. Uh <laughs> In, you know, the wall in front of the, the icebergs or whatever, where all the dudes in fur coats fight off the, the ice yeah. zombies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm uh, <laughs> getting it all perfectly correct. Uh, I'm imagining that's like this fast food wall eventually. It's just these, you know, this handful of, of, of unkillable fast food joints just sitting there, like, <laughs> surrounded by husks and Halloween stores. Well, it's a <laughs> Jack in the Box and a Burger King. So that, that that's what you got to defend when yourself. You, I'm friggin' I'm shaking my head. <laughs> I know you hate Burger King, but I don't think am I right in remembering that you have not encountered a Jack in the Box? I have no opinion on Jack in the Box. Yeah, okay. I just I'm shaking my head at Burger King. Jack in the Box is okay. Yeah, I just I don't I don't Burger have an King. opinion on them. They got weird. It, tacos, I would assume man. it's better than Burger King. There's <laughs> a lot of stuff's better than Burger King. Okay, next time you're in the United States of America. Um, wherever you're going to be at, find out if there's a Jack in the Box in the area. <laughs> Go get yourself some tacos. All right. I think uh, I showed I'm, you the tacos before. I'm going to hold, I'm going to, what I'm going to say is Aaron, 
you need to take me, not take me, you need to bring me some tacos <laughs> from a Jack in the Box to oh, TFCon. Oh, Please. boy, those are going to travel real good. <laughs> I mean, on the day. Don't freaking buy them now. And no, just, like, keep them you have 10 minutes tops before those <laughs> things go from being barely edible to poison. <laughs> <laughs> do they get hard or do they just get squishy? Oh, they get real squishy. Like, okay, so it de- <laughs> they're not good. <laughs> but... <laughs> They're del- they're delicious. In I know that feeling. They're- yeah, in the as you're eating it, like it's activating pleasure centers in in your brain. Uh, but your brain is also screaming, "Oh God, oh God, you're killing us!" <laughs> it's like cheap narcotics. It's, you know, it like gives yeah. you that surface high, but you it's so fleeting. You immediately feel the all the bad stuff going on. Right. So they're they're already made and frozen they just get dropped into the fryer later um so if you're lucky the people preparing them will let them sit on the draining basket rack thing for for a minute uh if you're not lucky they just throw them straight into the little paper sleeve uh. <laughs> and you're screwed <laughs> that's good it's going to eat through the paper sleeve, I would assume, number oh, one. Oh, yeah. And then it's all going to come running out <laughs> and land on and you. And also, isn't that, isn't that oil? Isn't that just hot? Isn't that kind of painful to hold on to? Yeah, it's a bad time. That's just, a real bad time. terrible. That's... <laughs> but while you're eating it, you're like, oh, yeah. <laughs> this tastes so much better than the burning skin sensation on my hand. Well, by the time <laughs> you're eating it, it's cooled off. Okay. It's manageable. Just imagine them but like just it's, whip, it's whipping now these things completely out of the deep fryer. soggy. Yeah. It's just like trails of of still smoking oil flying through the air. No, but but when it's that situation, it's just completely dripping with oil, and it's completely soggied all the way through. Um, it, it diminishes the uh, the experience. <laughs> that's that's a good verb right there fyi there's more on top of what we got this week for those of you listening or curious if you've hit A the end no, you haven't. experience uh, we... <laughs> <laughs> that's uh, what the listeners are getting right now waka 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 they're getting the the full experience because they're getting an education on how to properly enjoy the fine rare uh gastronomic experience of the jack-in-the-box taco now i remember a while back i showed you some old jack-in-the-box commercials Yep, where the mascot like blows up the board of directors and then chases a dude down and tackles him to make him eat a hamburger. <laughs> that stuff got real good, real good, <laughs> violent, nihilistic. Nineties yeah. <laughs> were a weird time. I miss them. Yeah, I just found a uh, an ident from MTV Japan from nineteen ninety four or ninety three. Uh, that was made by Shinya Tsukamoto, who made Tetsuo the Iron Man. It was made in that style with music original an original. 30 second piece of music by Trent Reznor in the style of uh, the music from Tetsuo the Iron Man it is a really cool little bit. Um, people should go watch that if they can. Uh, Seth, I got something on topic as well outside of my Octo Punch. All right. Uh, 
I got and opened up just as we began recording a uh, studio series Volkswagen Bumblebee. Whoa! Uh, and I already, I already mentioned the part where, right down to his very finished-looking box art, it's very clear that this and his box art were based on a more Michael Bay movie prequel-esque take on this character, uh, who's a little bit less puffy and squishy. Uh, regardless, though, like he, he looks less cute in silhouette but a lot of those physical details are still present on this model uh it's a it's a real cool little toy uh he's got straight up ankle tilts and a waist joint which the ankle tilts i'm starting to i'm starting to get used to dedicated ankle tilts on studio series and it feels like a dangerous thing to get used to um and he's uh he's got accessories like a swappable face and like two snap on well snap on arm weapon and a swap out forearm gun weapon uh, there's a lot of stuff in his box. He is little, you know, like like the Studio Series number one Bumblebee was. Um, and he, his Volkswagen mode looks really good when you get it together. Like, it, the sculpt of it is just, it's straight up a Volkswagen. It looks excellent. My only problem with him, and it's because I've only been messing with him for approximately a total of about 30 minutes, I think. I am having a hell of a time getting his car mode to actually come together. Uh, there's a lot of stuff that feels like it should be clicking together, but instead it's kind of just softly resting together. And it's sort of like a row of that stuff as two parallel spines across the top of the car mode. And it's, I got him feeling solid now, but I feel like I'm missing something much like with studio series jazz, where once I was informed of the peg on the back of his butt that is not mentioned in the instructions, his whole car mode just came together beautifully. And I'm wondering if there's something with the studio series bumblebee that's similar or some trick of like, Hey, if you push these two things together, they will form a, a locked core for the rest of this, this vehicle mode. Because right now I'm kind of having that thing that you, we used to get with, uh, you know, Revenge of the Fallen toys or some alternator Bimal Tech toys, where it's like, this car mode's really nice looking, but it's kind of relying on stuff to sort of hover, yeah. as opposed to click together. Um, and I haven't even checked the feedback thread yet, I haven't checked anything, I'm sure that, as far as I can tell, pe some people have not had such an experience, so I'm, I'm, I'm guessing there are some tricks I just don't know. Uh, but I, I, you know, that that aside, assuming he can come together better... Uh, this is a pretty solid toy. If there are no tricks, a lot of the stuff that's not working, I can probably tweak myself by thickening up tabs and stuff. Um, I am happy to report that his, uh, his boobs can twist easily on mine. Uh, that's been a recurring QC problem where his boob swivel is locked and people trying to twist it end up just tearing his boob off and snapping its boob connector peg. And that's a real bad scene. Um, I haven't had that problem. So, uh, unfortunately, because mine flows so well, I'm even having problems figuring out how someone managed to twist the thing enough to snap it off. Um, unless it was already, like, pre-fractured or glued in so tightly it was already, you know, halfway's cracking. Uh, but yeah, pretty cool little toy. A lot of backpack. He's got a lot of backpack, and it's making me feel okay about also picking up the Masterpiece movie version, which seems to transform its car shell more. Um... And there's also the weird thing about his, his rear windows, which form like the lower bumblebee wings, you know, as they do on all the Michael Bay bumblebees. These ones are pinned in in a way that makes them feel like they're on a joint. But all the cuts on the thing they're pinned onto are squared off to make it like you're having to flex some plastic to, to, to fold them over. Folding them makes him look better. So I think I'm going to I'm going to trim the corners off those things so that they can just swivel freely. Um, it feels like it's supposed to do that. And on the factory floor, something got got altered, but it's been reported on before. I just wanted to mention I, I found that thing on mine as well. 
Uh, anyway, Seth, that's my new Transformer I got. I'm, I'm all happy. I actually popped him open and talked about him mm. like a grown-up. Yeah. Uh, are you thinking you might... I forgot if you had any interest in actually buying the Studio Series version of this Bumblebee. Um, I, th- yeah, so when we were talking about the uh, the Masterpiece version... Yeah, that's um, what my it was. first take was like, ah, I'll just get the Studio Series one, and then looking at the side by side pictures, I'm like, man, the Masterpiece one looks just so much better. It just looks so much better. Now I don't know what I'm gonna do. I might end yeah. up getting the Masterpiece one. It's, the Masterpiece it one looks so much better. <laughs> it is up for pre order for Americans on Amazon.com right now. They opened mm. it up. Hmm, how much is it? Ten thousand dollars, something like that. Yeah, I think it was eighty bucks, seventy how, bucks, or eighty bucks. How much of it's stolen out of a Chinese dumpster? Uh, these ones are official ones being put up. They did come out in Singapore uh, yesterday, so there are a yeah. whole bunch up on eBay as well. But they're a little more expensive. Now, remember when that was a big deal, like getting the stolen Chinese stuff, and that was all. I do remember that was the crux oh, of my boy. burgeoning YouTube career, sir. Let me tell you about. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, it doesn't seem to really be a thing anymore. Um, no. partly because so many of the toys are not made in China anymore; they're they're made elsewhere. Uh, but yeah, I got me Studio Series Bumblebee. Congratulations, moi. Um, Seth, let's go off topic. Did you get anything off topic? Uh, oh boy, oh boy, did I? So. Uh, I'm trying to remember. The last time we recorded was before I went to ToyCon. I think. Yes, it was because we talked about how you were going to look at those chain swords they never sell. And then I remember yes. you tweeting about how they never sell them afterwards. Yes, I did look at them. Um, so one of the headlining guests, a one Mr. Lou Diamond Phillips... I didn't see him. I well, didn't even no see. A, I didn't even see a little booth for him. Is he friends with John Cena? Well, he didn't seem to have a little autograph booth like all the other autograph guests had. Uh oh. I don't think he was there. That's a bad look. <laughs> I wonder what happened. <laughs> I don't know. I guess. I guess. Lou had other things to do. He called oh up and he said, sorry, but Lou got things to do. They're like, ha, it's a pretty funny rhyme. And then he hung up and they're like, oh no, wait, hello? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. Mr. Mr. Big Shot, Lou Ferrigno came to the very first one when it was an unproven commodity. And the only yeah. guests were Lou Ferrigno and the Honky Tonk Man. Is, is, is Lou Diamond Phillips saying he's better than the Honky Tonk Man? I don't think he's better than the Honky Tonk Man. I don't know who... I, I, I have no opinion on this. Uh, but also, it's just, is he better than the Honky... I, I don't know. I don't think so. Well, not anymore. I don't think he could carry the Honky Tonk Man's jumpsuit. Whoa! Alright, well, they'll, they'll settle this. So anyway, I went to the Santa Rosa Toy Con. I watched uh, a couple uh, local pro wrestling matches... Yeah. From Phoenix Pro Wrestling. Uh, one was a very entertaining tag team match where from the moment the baby faces came out, I knew I was going to be rooting for the heels. 
because the the babyface tag team were called the fallout boys and they came out to fallout boy music and one of them was wearing a blink 182 hat is that a gimmick (laughs) and i was like i i hate these guys (laughs) i i hate these guys and then uh i forgot what the the other team was called but it was like a big guy and then a dude that looks like the discount version of Aiden English. All right. Uh, but discount Aiden English, uh, who was just named Kenny, I know that because it said it on his leg, um, wore sunglasses the entire match and they never fell off. And he was doing like the big, crazy, I'm trying to be like ricochet, flippy do kind of moves. Mm-hmm. And, and those sunglasses never fell off. So. That boy's got talent. Get him to the performance center. <laughs> he just needs to bulk up a little bit. Because he He's just looks like he, like his physique, he just looks like some dude. <laughs> but he's some dude that could do crazy flippy doos and never lose his sunglasses. And that's um, impressive. I did not buy much at the Toy Con. Um the Super Seven booth um mm-hmm is awesome that super seven comes now for the second year and has a booth and they sell official stuff. Uh, didn't really have much of anything that I wanted except for a pretty nifty Soundwave t-shirt. Hey, so it's Soundwave in cassette mode and laser beaks flying around and it's all done in like, like an old two color catalog, like mailer catalog kind of thing uh, i'm probably not describing it very well but it looks like an old ad like if people right. remember oh like, is this like the the old ads where it's like muscles pills or whatever or you know in the no, back of comic books no so like black eye telescopes the the way i remember seeing stuff like this when i was a kid is like there was the local store tj and y and it was sort of like a catch-all kind of store like that uh that pharmacy they sold a bunch of stuff including toys and you would get like a mailer in the mail and it was like here's everything we have on sale this week and there weren't photos there was drawings of the things and oh, it, oh, okay. it was two yeah. colors so it'd be like black and white or white and blue whatever so yeah. it, it's that kind of vibe yeah i get you i get you that's kind of that's kind of what I meant, but not quite what I meant. But yeah, I, I think I understand. Yeah. Well, I tweeted a picture of it. If you want to dig your way back, uh, you'll find it. Uh, if you don't, then uh, just deal with my description. Uh, then I got a bunch of pins. There, there was a booth, and they were selling pins, and it was uh, five for twenty bucks, and it was all these like little logos. Um, so they're plastic, like they're they're not like the enamel pins. Um, uh, but they're still all right. So I got a, a Cobra logo, a Decepticon logo, an Aperture Science logo, a, a Macross emblem, and the the Mandalorian emblem that's on Boba Fett's shoulder. Um, I couldn't find five things I wanted, uh, so I thought I'll get this uh mandalorian one for this guy no because he's like obsessed with both fett he's a big time both fett fan and then uh since then like i i haven't seen the guy uh for a little while um so i hadn't given it to him yet 
and recently he's pissed me off a whole bunch and now maybe i'm not gonna give it to him i don't know <laughs> well suddenly now you're a boba fett fan well we'll just we'll see how i how much i've gotten over it uh before i see him again next um so that's what i got but my girlfriend got an enamel tinkerbell pen which is pretty nice it's like a circle and it's green and tinkerbell is a uh, silhouette in the green circle and she bought two figure arts toys she bought herself a goku and a frieza all right she loves dragon ball i tell you what then the other thing that we carried out of there was um a local gaming comic book store uh, based in santa rosa california called the outer plains um they had a table set up and well actually they had a bunch of tables set up um for people to play magic cards hey and we were kind of walking by and the guy goes do you guys like the magic cards and we were like nah uh, I'm like, I got a friend who is, but I'm, I'm I'm not that into it. He goes, well, if you would like, you could choose your favorite color from these colors here and take a free pack of magic cards. And they have these little boxes. And there's like a green one and a red one and a black yeah. one and some other Those... colored ones. And I said, well, if it's free, I'll take a green one. And my girlfriend said, I like the purple one. And he goes, well, technically it's black. And she goes, whatever. He's, yeah, well, technically you're a carbon friggin' stack of electrodes and meat. Shut up. It- so we brought those home, and those are in our house now, and we've never opened the boxes. Those were the core 2019 Planeswalker decks without the booster packs that they were packed in with. Uh, so those were not usually free, but most people bought them for the booster packs that they came with. No. Oh. Uh, as far as I understand, they are fine to play against each other, but I haven't tried. I have all five because I have a problem. I haven't actually opened any of them. I, I just opened up the booster packs because I wanted to see if I could get me one of them Crucible of Worlds, and I did. Cool. Whatever that means. Uh, then we left the Santa Rosa Toy Con and went straight over to um, Outer Plains, and I bought a Kill Team Environment set about the one i want that i can't find around here anymore yes i got the one that you wanted and i got it because i knew the following week fundamonium was doing their basket sale Uh. and i we had been at fundamonium the week before and they had a bunch of the stupid jungle environment sets and that was it i'm like well i'm gonna get this here now because i see it and I know they don't have it at Fundamonium. And I may never see it again without it being some crazy jacked up price. So I bought it. Fast forward to this last Saturday. Go to Fundamonium. Fifth Saturday of the month. 20% off anything you fit in these stupid baskets that we talked about earlier. Garbage, stupid bas- geometrically geometrically offensive baskets. What the I first calling. kill team thing I see... A fundamonium is this exact same set. Where do they get it from? None of those jungle sets anywhere. They were all gone. They only had the one of the thing that I just paid full price for the week before at the other place. Whatever. <laughs> I can't find. We're talking. By the way, the one he got that I want is the the Munitorum kill zone with all the cargo crates. 
cannot find that thing anywhere in Canada. That thing is that thing is dusted. That and the the uh, the Mechanicus kill zone are they're both just waiting for reprints, basically. Yeah, I didn't say the name of it because I knew I was going to get it wrong, so I just didn't say it. Just leave it up to me. Yeah, well, I know you're better at this stuff. Uh, so then at the Fundamonium Basket Sale, I got a bunch of stuff. I'm quickly trying to whip through my pictures. So I got the um, Kill Team Core Manual. I got the Drop Force Imperinator uh, box set. I got the uh, little card set for Kill Team. So like these are the cards that would have come in the uh, the starter set, like the Tactics cards. Yeah, and so, then twenty five so, blank troop cards. So the thing to know about those tactics cards, I still actually, I'm I'm waiting for the reprint of the starter set because I kind of want that terrain now. But those tactic cards are all in that core manual. It's just that they're all in they're printed on pages throughout that core manual. Having them as cards means you can actually just have them arrayed in front of you, which is a million times more useful than flipping back and forth through the manual looking for them. Yeah. Um. And also, Drop Force. So I call it Drop Force uh, Imperator. And then That's, I've huh? I've heard it pronounced 15 different ways all over YouTube. So I've decided that that's not even a real word and everyone's right. Um, I don't think it is a real word. I think it's just some of that pseudo Latin that um, Games Workshops love so much. Oh, that adeptus. Yeah. And then I also got a, a pack of uh, Eldar Guardians. Even mm-hmm. though they're not called the Eldar anymore, I'm I'm not used to all the new names for stuff. Well, in their case, they're still called the Eldar, but then they put like five letters on the front and five on the back, so they're called like the A Eldar E or something like that. Uh, Neat. And, and the Dark Eldar. Uh-huh. Oh, Good. As I say, Dark Eldar, Dark Eldar. They call them the Drukari, and I keep sitting there going like, that seems so close to someone just like saying dark eldar after they got punched in the mouth <laughs> and i'm wondering if that's how that came about or just with a regular british accent boom got him um, whoa <laughs> uh i've i always thought the dark eldar were lame like they were just starting to introduce them when i was fading out like they they were introducing the dark eldar the necron and and no the tau they had they didn't start introducing until later but the the Necron and the Dark Eldar were were starting to get shown in White Dwarf magazine, and some a, a few troop rules were being published. And I just looked at the Dark Eldar. Ugh. It's like it's it's like, okay, the Dark Elves in space. I mean, already so much of Warhammer Forty K is this in space, but we already have enough of that. So why are you doing more of it? I I just I choose not to interact with the concept of the Dark Eldar. But you don't have to anymore because they don't exist anymore. Instead, there are the Drukari. Yeah, well, I don't like them either. <laughs> uh, they're bas- so, they're basically Slanesh cultists. That's basically what they are. Yeah, they should have been consumed by Slanesh when Slanesh came into being, and millions of Eldar died in an instant. But whatever. Whoa. Whatever. 
Um, then the only two other things that I could fit in my stupid basket, actually, I could have fit a lot more. There just wasn't anything else I wanted. I got a can of black primer. I've been using white primer since I started painting again, and that is great for some situations and not great for others. So now I have options. Hey! And then the last Kill Team related thing I got was a set of the Kill Team, uh, Nurgle dice, because I'm kind of a sucker for Nurgly things. And I didn't, even though I could see it in the way it was packaged, it didn't register in my brain until I got them home and opened them up. And two of the five, or two of the six sides, because they're six-sided dice, not five-sided dice, as is so common in the world, um, two of the sides have emblems instead of numbered pips. And that's just confusing. I didn't know it was two sides until you'd mentioned it, and I was, like, double happy I didn't go for the Tyranid or the Orc dice that I almost bought. Yeah, it's the one and the six. That sucks. Um, that just sucks. That just <sighs> means when you think you rolled a six, you rolled a one. Yeah. <laughs> that sucks. And so I'm like, this is dumb. And I'm, like, looking at other six-sided dice I have. I'm like, okay, well, I know there's, like, an official, like, kind of standard casino approved um what's on what side sort of a thing so maybe i could figure it out that way and then i thought the kill team logo was the six and the nurgle logo was the one based on that line of thinking uh meanwhile my girlfriend just googled it and apparently it's the other way around the nurgle logo is the six and the kill team emblem is the one as it should be and i was like why are there two emblems on these freaking dice? It's just confusing. Stop it. It's a very bad idea. And I didn't, I didn't, I thought that it was just like some of these dice have the faction emblem. Some of these, like maybe one of these dice has got a kill team emblem. Uh, that's, that's messed up. That's real messed up. Then the last thing I got to talk about. Um, so you remember last time I was talking about getting that, uh, the scroll codex dice tower from elderwood academy yeah and how it was unfortunate that it was just a straight drop down the middle when you roll dice in it hey so something weird happened with seth's audio here where the speed dipped and i heard it in the call but it seems to have affected his local recording as well anyway i'm saying this because i'm just going to cut around some stuff basically he got an insert for the dice tower you're going to hear how it sounds and then i'm going to keep listening through and if things get weird i I might just chop up. This is just like the last couple minutes of this podcast, so I'm, I'm just gonna gonna have a choppery through it and uh, and get to the end. It's weird though, man. Technology, sound technology, is so weird. So this is what it sounds like when you just drop a die in it normally. Boring. Ugh. Let's put the insert in. That's way more entertaining. That's more clickety clack. Okay, so I ran through all that crap. What did you get? I got a Macross from uh, Macross Plus, known stateside as Robotech Brian Cranston. See, he was uh, an actor in the dub for Macross Plus. Anyway, I'll send you a link to what it looks like. This was the DX Chogokin YF-19 full set pack. Uh... The idea of owning a YF-19 dates back to when I was a wee lad when Toynami was going to bring over the original Yamato YF-19 and then couldn't because of Harmony Gold. 
So I heard that the VF-19, uh, the band I did, was really good. Um, and then rumor was they were going to do a YF-19 version, which I care about a whole lot more because the VF-19 just has them covered in all these Macross Frontier logos that I don't really understand. So uh, I, I, I snuck in a pre-order on this thing during the, like, two-minute window. And uh, I'm, I'm, real, I'm real digging it. It is definitely a second-tier uh, Macross toy. The top tier Macross toy, as always, is the VF31 and all its variants is the best Macross toy ever made. Um, so it's it's no dig against this that it's not as good as the VF31. It's very hard to be as good as the VF31. Uh, the only things about this that really hold it back is that like a lot of stuff clicks into place, which is good. That's like the VF31. But a couple things don't and it, it actually is worse, given how many other things do click into place. The big one being on the wings. Uh, the wings have these multi-hinged die-cast armatures inside of them, and on mine, one of them is very loose compared to the other, and his little hip wing keeps flapping around inside its mooring, and it doesn't feel good. I need to figure out how to tighten it, because uh, it's all metal. It's not metal screws, it's metal pin rivets, and I'm I think the loose one is also slightly cracked, but I'm not sure. So I'm just going to pile some thickener in at some point when I'm feeling brave. Um, he also comes with fast packs. He comes with a bajillion missiles. He comes with a fold booster. Uh, he comes with the fast pack stuff. He's got his kill gauntlet. He's got this, like, cool transforming gauntlet on his right arm that, like, deploys a cannon and missiles and another cannon. Um, it, the transformation is very good. Um, I guess the only other major thing about it to point out is that the, the hip ball joints are... Uh, unfathomably ridiculously tight to the point of feeling like you're going to break the toy using them. So loosen some screws when you get the chance uh, on those things. But uh, I'm very happy with it. It's just like he's definitely around about the same tier as the uh, the Draken SV something 51 from uh, Macross Delta. Both very good toys that uh, are also uh, not as good as the VF31, which is the best Macross toy, best Robotech toy even ever made. Uh, that's my Robotech Robo-Duptate, Robo-Tuptate, my Robotech, that's my update on Robotech Macross, and that's kind of the bulk of my off-topic what I got this week. I've been painting some miniatures, but, uh, you can just follow me on social media, you'll see photos of those things. Um, I've been buying a lot of paint, though, I've been, the nice thing is I've been buying paint, but I'm buying it when I need it. So, like, I know all the paints I have, and I know what they're for, which is a lot different than when I was kind of more mired into the, the game's workshop system, and it was kind of like, well, I guess I should buy these paints in sets of three or four, because uh, they are all going by their trademark names, very relevant. Uh, now that I'm onto the dropper bottle paints, it's, it's a lot more of like, I'm just buying what I know that I need, and what I know is bothersome to mix up, and I, I feel like I'm in more control. Seth, dropper bottle paints are the best, and I... Also bought empty dropper bottles to put my non-dropper bottle paints into. That's how much I like dropper bottles. <laughs> I should consider doing that for some colors. Yeah, I uh, I tried it out with the Games Workshop Lamian Medium, which is admittedly kind of watery already. But it was super easy to do and very satisfying. So I've I got uh, some... Uh, I've got the Lamian medium and I've got the, formu the, the, the P3 formula um, mixing medium that are both kind of like... Uh, they're basically pigmentless paint to a certain degree as far as being able to thin it out. I've also got some eyedroppers and some of that Liquitex flow improver that I might try out using. And I went to a bead store based on something I read on Reddit, and I bought for like two bucks Canadian a string of like 50 lava beads because apparently lava beads are very good paint agitators, uh, which 
not only help get paint out of paint pots, but also you can then transfer them into the little paint jar or paint dropper bottles. So if you have like a thicker metallic or something that's going into a dropper bottle, an agitator in the bottle will help it stay loose. Agitator is my stage name as well. That's yeah. what I like to go by. But yeah, that's uh, that's been that's been kind of what's up hobby wise over here. I also went to the guilds of Ravnica pre-release for Magic the Gathering. New set came out on the weekend. I went to a pre-release. Uh, I didn't do very well. Um, I, I you could pick a guild for for to get a, a seated guild pack where you get a bunch of stuff in two specific colors. I picked Is it the blue red guild because they're all mad scientists. But Is it it turns out also had a large number of seated uh, packs that were not actually very good for sealed, and I got one of the ones that was not very good for sealed. So uh, I didn't have an easy track. I had to do more thinking, and I'm not very good at that yet. Um, but I had fun, and uh, and Guilds of Ravnica plays really well. Like it, it, there's very clearly defined mechanics and identities for all the different color combos. And what's cool is they're all different color combos of two, which means if you're doing deck building in Guilds of Ravnica, it's like if you pick one of the color combos, it's like you have a, a trademark mechanic probably that goes with it. That means if you want to splash in a third color, you could splash in one that shares one of your other colors as far as guild mechanics go, and then it's like you're splashing in a mechanic, too. It's kind of cool. Anyway, uh, that's all my tabletop hobbying that I did. Um, sounds like Seth uh, will be joining me soon as a planeswalker of Dominaria. Um, with all of his... Uh, I'm his... not even buying the D&D book. <laughs> Well, I mean that's 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 Ravnica. That's not Dominaria. That is actually a different plane. Uh, it's very different. More like a pain in my ass. It's weird. That's what the next expansion is called. Uh, pain in my ass. Uh, yeah, it, it took a while to clear it, but they, you know, they they justified it. And uh, PIA is P. Sorry, Pima is uh, is the next set coming out. Uh, Seth. I think that brings us to the end of the show for this week. Well, okay. So remember when you said that um, Amazon had that masterpiece Bumblebee? Yeah. On pre-order. So I just typed in Bumblebee Transformers and I'm scrolling down and I'm not seeing it. Type in it. But I do see. So I see a picture of the um, G1 uh, masterpiece Bumblebee and daniel uh and i see that the price is 39.50 and i was like holy crap how the mighty have fallen that's so cheap and then i noticed something suspicious in the name and by suspicious i mean blatant um it says transformers masterpiece mp21 bumblebee ko version yep volkswagen and daniel did you know that there was a ko version Oh, there's a KO version of literally every Masterpiece toy. Um, well, I know that there's knockoffs of everyone, but, like, the way they named it on this Amazon listing oh, yeah, they, makes it sound like it's a version and not just They do knockoff. that on, the, on eBay auctions, too. They call it the China KO variant or something like that. <laughs> variant. Uh, if you want to find the, the, the movie Volkswagen Bumblebee, it's uh, MPM-7 Bumblebee should should bring you to it. But uh, Seth, I do think that brings us to the end of the show for this week. So thank you for joining me. And thank you all for listening. That's been WTF at TFW. And uh, stay tuned. Bye.
get me, but you got some badass perpetrators that are here to stay. 